local talk weekday mornings. The Morning Drive News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Thursday. And joining us online now, it's Lieutenant J.P. Schmidt from the Major Crimes Unit of our Vermont State Police. Good morning, Lieutenant Schmidt. Good morning. Thanks for being on The Morning Drive today. And I want to start out actually uh, thanking you uh, for serving us because, you know, it was just, what was it, two days ago right? that it was uh, uh, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. And we had a guest on talking about that. And so let's start out thanking you for your service to the state of Vermont. Oh, well, thanks for having me and thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. So let's start first because this is your first time on the morning drive. So, JP, can you start out telling us a little bit about your history, your biography, how you came to uh, be a state police officer and how long you've been, et cetera? Yeah. Um, so it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in, in upstate New York over in Rensselaer County. Um, as a kid, you know, this is like the typical story you hear a lot. It's something I was always interested in. Um, you know, pursued it, went to college for it. Um, took a little bit of a pause away from that pursuit and then uh, ended up applying to Vermont, not really having any long-term plans of coming here or staying here, but just to get some experience. I got hired in 1999 um, and sort of started the path that I'm on, and I really liked the department. Good things happened, and I uh, was assigned as a trooper out of the Shaftesbury Barracks, which is down in Bennington County. I did that for, you know, several years. I did some, I did a special assignment as a DUI trooper for about a year, and I got promoted to a patrol sergeant. I worked a little bit in Rutland in that function, and then back to Shaftesbury, and 2012, I transferred out of the uniform division into the criminal division as a, as a detective sergeant in PCI out of the Rockingham Barracks. Um, did that for a bit. In 2015, they started the major crime unit, and I was lucky enough to, to get on board that team. Uh, did that for a couple of years and then was promoted to lieutenant in BCI. And then in 2019, I transferred as a lieutenant into the major crime unit. And that's where I currently am. And so with the major crimes unit, um, you deal with primarily or, or completely homicides? So the major crime unit's main functions are homicides, which you know will cover anywhere the state police has primary coverage. That's, that's where we come in. Um, sometimes we'll help with other agencies that are you know, smaller and don't have the capacity or need help with the homicide. And then in addition to that, we do officer-involved shootings or officer-involved deaths. And also we work on unresolved cases, which are, you know, we commonly refer to as cold cases. So unsolved homicides, in essence. And then, you know, sometimes we'll get roped into some other investigations um, just, just to help out. And you said the major crimes unit was, was uh, started in 2015? How did things? Do you know how how did how did we handle things before 2015 in regard to those issues, homicides, et cetera? Yeah. So prior to the major crime unit, um, and things things have changed a little bit now in terms of the structure of the department. But in going back to then, we had four troops. Now we have two: North A and B, 
basically north and south. And at the time, we had A, B, C, and D, which was northwest, northeast, southwest, and southeast. And the detectives in those units, if there was a homicide, they would handle it. You know, if they needed more resources, you know, detectives might come in from another unit, but those detectives would primarily handle it. So if there's a homicide in St. Johnsbury, St. Johnsbury detective is going to get it and go with it. Um, the shift was kind of made because that was, was challenging to work those cases. Homicide cases take an extensive amount of time and energy and resources to, to investigate and carry through their course. So creating a team that was dedicated pretty much solely to handling those was, was a goal that was developed for a few years and then was able to be implemented in 2015. And basically what we did was we didn't add any more positions. We took existing detectives from, from different regions of the state who were interested, um, and they became part of the team. And it originally was five detectives and one lieutenant. It's grown a little bit since then. We now have six detectives, and there's two lieutenants. And uh, what's the? Can you give us a little glimpse into a, a day in the life of someone in the major crimes unit of the state police? I I can, and it, it, it depends on the day. I guess it's you know it's, it's a little bit specific sure. on, on what's going on. So if it's sort of a you know quote unquote normal day, there's not not an active case going on. Um, you know everybody's got a caseload; they're going to be working on those cases, following up on on different leads, which, you know, this, this could be anything from report writing because we document, extensively document everything that we do. Um, you know, so it could be just getting caught up on that. It could be reviewing interviews and transcripts. It could be conducting interviews. It could be writing search warrants or subpoenas. Um, there's, there's just a ton of follow-up procedurally that goes through. And when that changes is when the phone rings, you know, which could be any time within a 24-hour period of the day. Um, you know, if there's a new case, we kind of drop everything that we're doing, and we go and focus pretty much exclusively on that case for a, a range of time that's usually, you know, several hours into, you know, several days. You know, the, the initial push is usually several days of pretty intense activity. So well, it, it, yeah, it, I mean, I can imagine, and and uh, and lately, uh, it seems like the phone's been ringing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it has. Yeah. I'm, I'm without getting into. I, I obviously we can't talk about active cases, but um, we're gonna take we're gonna take a real quick break. Uh, and uh, the Mackenzie Country Classic Hotline is open. We're having a conversation um, with Lieutenant J.P. Schmidt from the Major Crimes Unit with the Vermont State Police. If you've got any questions, you want to talk about some stuff, give us a Formed with your community. The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Thursday morning, and we're continuing our discussion now with... State Police Officer Lieutenant J.P. Schmidt. He is with the Major Crimes Unit for the Vermont State Police. If you've got a question for uh, Lieutenant Schmidt, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. Um, Lieutenant Schmidt, let me ask you about, I, I know that late in 2023, maybe it was mostly in October, I'm not sure, but there was just a spate of, of uh, shootings, homicides that you guys had to deal with. And I know you can't get into the details of any active case. Totally get that. I'm not asking you to, to tell us about that. But 
Can you talk a little bit about that? that you have the obviously we have the, the Castleton shooting, which has the the community on edge down there. Uh, you had the National Guard officer that was shot, which was a very strange and mysterious one, and a, and a slew of other ones. Can you again not not looking for the details, but can you tell us um, what you guys have been facing with all these cases? Yeah, it was um, it was a rough month in October for um, for the unit and for you know also Vermont as a whole as a state to experience what we experienced. I've you know I've been doing this for twenty plus years. I've never seen a month like that. Um, it was an immense challenge on us, you know, again and and the state and the, the citizens of the state. But as a unit, it's it's a it's a it's a huge challenge for resources when we have that many active cases. I think there was. You know the numbers right here, but it was, it was like eight in the state in a month, and I think you know they weren't all MCU cases. I think maybe Burlington handled some, and we we I say we uh, MCU had assistance from local BCI. There's no way we could have could have handled the investigations without other people stepping up and and helping us. Um, just in terms of the resource drain, when you have when you're act, working an active case and you're in the initial push of its intense activity. You know, and then 48, 72 hours later, there's another one, and then another one the next week. It it gets very, um, it's a very grueling process to go through. And so, um, one of the things that you mentioned, and and I I, I want to explore this a little bit. We'll come back to it. we got a caller, so hold yeah. hold on, caller. But sure, um, you you support each other. Uh, different 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 uh, either whether it's inside the Vermont State Police or sometime other agencies kind of pull together to, to support one another? Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, there, you talk about like the brother sisterhood of law enforcement and, and that is, that's a very real thing. Um, I've never worked outside of Vermont. I can speak generally cause I worked obviously with other officers from across the country, but I'll say in Vermont, I think, I think we do that very well in terms of supporting each other um, across agency lines consistently day in, day out, which is, Super helpful. Um, yeah, just it, it gets the mission accomplished that much easier and makes makes things go so much smoother. Good. Well, let's uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. I got a couple questions. First of all, what is the state police position on safe injection sites? And do you think the site will actually, uh, in fact, attract all users and dealers from the nearby areas around Burlington? The result actually in a increase in crime. Did wow! <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's that's not that's not necessarily your lane. Uh, yeah, yeah. With uh, it, homicides, I, I, but uh, um, do you have you have you, I, have you done any 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 thoughts on safe injection sites, or have you done any? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'll leave. The, obviously, I represent the Vermont State Police in pretty much everything I do, but um, I'll leave officially answering that that question to somebody up a little above me um, related to that though, I, I will say that what we have seen and I'll just talk a little bit anecdotally um, is, is an increase in drug related violence in this state um, you know I've certainly seen across the span of my career here and in this unit in particular um, that those numbers seem to be creeping up pretty noticeably where you know, we're not just going to so much the traditional, you know, domestic or heat of the moment kind of 
argument that turns into a, a homicide, we are seeing more drug-related incidents of, of violence throughout the state, and, and not just homicides, but you know we'll see shootings and stabbings as well. But they become you know when they're homicides, when I get involved in them, typically, and we've got a lot of people coming into the state that are selling because we do have a lot of addiction issues in the state, and with that realm, um, there is there is violence that comes with it. And as, as those things increase, I think we'll, unfortunately, continue to see an increase in the violence. So the, so the short answer is, uh, over, and you've been with the department for quite a while, uh, and in the time that you've been there, you've seen more drug-related uh, incidences in, in what you have to deal with, particularly, usually, in the major crimes unit. Yeah, in the, in the last couple of years, I would say that those numbers have, have gone up, yes. We're talking to Lieutenant J.P. Schmidt from the Vermont State Police Major Crimes Unit. If you have a question for him, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline. We've got a few minutes left, 888-414-0303. Um, Lieutenant Schmidt, so when you get a, when, a, when something happens like the Castleton case or the, uh, the National Guard officer or any one of these, how do, you, how do you handle the investigation in terms of, I know we read reports in Castleton, for example, of, of uh, hundreds of tips coming in. And, of course, sometimes the tips have some valuable information and sometimes they don't. H- how do you handle that? It's it's, it's a challenge. Um, and every case is a little, you know, case by case. There's specific things that happen case by case. But it's, it's yeah, in terms of Castleton, yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. There's literally hundreds, and we're still filtering through those. We're still receiving those. And some of them... You know, you can kind of skim off the top pretty quickly, um, even if it might just be that there's nothing you can do actionable with that information other than file it away. And, you know, maybe it'll change and maybe down the road you can, but for right now you can't. And other than that, you know, if somebody's identifying somebody as a, a person of interest, we'll look into that person. And depending on what the information is, it may be a quick look into that person or it may take several days to to, to kind of get what you want, but it's it's a constant chipping away, I guess is one way of putting it, um, of just, just getting through it. And all of this takes time. It takes resources, um, and it's not done in a bubble. There's other cases going on. There's detectives obviously working other cases, so you're constantly moving pieces around to try to, to, try to get the, the gold done. All right, let's go back to the phones. Got another call for you. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Uh, throughout your career, do you do you recall any cases that are worth a forty uh, five minute uh, true crime documentary? Any any highlights? <laughs> is there is there, there a, yeah? I was going to say I can reframe that. Is is there a a particular case or two that stands out? To you, um, wow. There's there's more than there's so many cases that I've been you know played some sort of role in, even if it's you know just on the outskirts, you know anywhere from the outskirts of you know kind of reading it, or maybe even just being a road trooper and seeing security, um, to being you know a lieutenant and helping supervise the case. There's there's scores of them. I, I wouldn't say there's just two. I mean every every one of these cases. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't want to trivialize anything. Every, every one of these cases that we handle, that's, that's a life and that's a family and that's a community. So 
in my mind, they all have incredible impact, and they're all a story to tell or a story that could be told yeah. as value. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can only imagine. Um, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Yes, good morning, everybody. I used to live up that way. I don't anymore, but uh, I just like to call in to say thanks for all that. Uh, what the cops do. I would not want to be a cop. I wouldn't want a spouse to be a cop. The terrible shifts, the stress. Not everybody hates you. And uh, it, it's sad that the state, that uh, the way the cops are portrayed in some of the committees and the boards and stuff like that, that's a total ridiculous spot that they had. But I uh, know that you guys are appreciated by the majority of citizens. Appreciate it. Wow, that's, that's good. And, of course, I personally, I think that it's a minority of people that hate cops. I, yeah. They get highlighted and they have loud voices, but... I think the majority of people appreciate the work you do, as as the caller said. So, again, we thank you. But, um, JP, can you talk a little bit about with these cases, and you had so many of them in October, as you said, like nothing you've seen in your entire career that month of October. And and when when you start these investigations, we talked about all the tips that some are some have are useless, some are some have some valuable information. But when does a case go from? Where it's a like a full throttle investigation, to boy, we've we've really you know spent a ton of time on this, and it goes sort of into the inactive file. And also, yep. when it becomes inactive, how does it how does it ever become active again? Like for example, in the Rita Curran case, right on Brooks Avenue, where they they solved the case from fifty years ago. Can you talk a little bit about all that? Yeah, and that's that's a good question. Um, and there's no, there's no definitive tipping point for any of these cases. Like we've we've kind of transitioned from saying cold case, although we still use it. That you know it's it's been in the vernacular for you know a long time um, to calling things you know these cases unresolved. And the reason we do that is while the investigation may kind of wind down a little bit and never the switch never turns off on any of these cases. They're never put into like, you know, a, a warehouse, you know, boxed up to never see the light of day again. The, the door's always open for information on those. Um, you know, traditionally when a case comes in, if a new case comes in, it, it gets a lot of attention very early on. Um, most of the time during that initial stage, which might be two, three, four, five, six days, you know, leads are developed. Those leads typically lead us in the in the direction that's going to solve the case, or you know, the direction that's most likely to solve the case, you know, we always we like to use the term follow the follow the evidence, which is exactly what we do. We you know follow the clues and the tips and all the information that we're getting to what leads us to a suspect. Um, and sometimes that process takes longer. Sometimes that process doesn't pan out the way that we would certainly hope, and things you know, slow down, um, we still get information in. I mean, I was still somewhat routinely get, get phone calls or emails about cases, sometimes cases I'm not even aware of, and I'll look them up on a computer and like, yep, there it is, and then we'll we'll assign somebody to follow up on that information if, if you know, if it's actionable. So, so, so it doesn't really ever get switched off. Um, so while it may become unresolved, fall into that category, if, if new information comes to light or some new tip, then you you reopen it and it becomes a more active yeah, case. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. So we've got six 
detectives in the major crime unit. Each one of those detectives has a caseload of unresolved cases, um, you know, 10 or 12 cases each. And some of those cases, they might go three to four years, you know, while they're in the unit, and then they may transition out, and they'll, they'll never have anything to do on those cases. But every once in a while, you know, I'll send them a notice, hey, we got this, you need to look, you need to look into it, and we'll go from there. Well, again, thanks for all you do and for all law enforcement does across the state of Vermont and the nation. And uh, Lieutenant J.P. Schmidt uh, of the Major Crimes Unit of the Vermont State Police, thanks for being on the morning drive. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it, and uh, thank you. Thank you for all you do, and uh, thanks for your service. All right. We're going to uh, take a quick break, check in with Fox News. Uh, Amanda has the headlines. we got the forecast for you. And then we're going to be back with Kelsey Conway from Special Olympics talking about the upcoming Penguin Plunge. Keep it right here.